Yeah, and, and I agree with John as well. Um, plus, also too, uh, the Chinese the uh, the Chinese government also pretty much has an agreement with any company that sets up there that they're automatically a fifty percent owner. So unless Stellantis wants to give away fifty percent of its ownership to foreign country, um, it's, it wouldn't really benefit them at all. Now, if they put a finger hold in there and just go ahead and set up another EV market, just to take advantage of maybe the pass through of the cheaper lithium, the cheaper batteries, and just you know disperse them to an American market, then I could see that. This roundtable episode is sponsored by you, the listener. Thank you for listening to our show. You can sponsor the Roundtable episode uh, easily and cheaply. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and reach out. Now, I, I know if you're an individual, why would you want to advertise? But, you know, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to take your money. You can be a sponsor as soon as our next episode uh, very come, in, come up very soon near you. <laughs> Hey, I'm Tony. I want to welcome all our new listeners and our regulars to the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable. I'm your host, and I'm excited to have you here at this special gathering of passionate Jeep enthusiasts. On tonight's episode, we will be asking you, would you buy a Jeep if it was built in China? China. I can't say it the way uh, Trump says it. China. Um, So there are signs that Jeep is moving from off-road to luxury vehicles. Is Jeep forgetting who they are or just trying to survive? Hey, do you know you can submit your, if you think those questions suck, you can submit your own questions to our roundtable. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep Talk Show with hosts Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. All right, so uh, you know, Sandy Moreau recently said that he thinks that uh, Stellantis, Jeep, and Ram specifically uh, are going to be moving to China. Uh, who is this Sandy Moreau person, and who the hell does he think he is? <laughs> Sandy Moreau is an automotive engineer who specialized in machining, uh, machine tools and manufacturing. He started as a toolmaker at the Valiant Machine and Tool Company, a general motor supplier in Windsor. In 1978, he joined the Ford Motor Company, where he improved methods of engine assembly. In 1988, he started his own uh, consultancy, Monroe & Associates, in Troy, Michigan, specializing in lean design, tearing down automotive products to study and suggest improvements and innovations. Now located in Auburn Hills, Michigan, the company performs electric vehicle benchmarking and consults in aerospace, defense, and medical sectors. In 2018, he started broadcasting video analysis and interviews on his YouTube channel, Moreau Live. The channel has over 409,000 subscribers. you got to figure that's been updated since uh, that figure. Uh, and raised the profile of his consultancy during the pandemic when uh, meetings and trade shows were restricted. All right, so whether you are a diehard Jeep enthusiast or just starting to explore the world of off-roading, we're thrilled to have you here as part of this discussion. Please uh, consider joining the discussion and being part of our weekly Zoom meeting, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to join. To our roundtable meeting attendees, you know, the people on the uh, the Zoom meeting, please introduce yourself with your name and location the first time you speak tonight. This helps the listener uh, know your voice and uh, when you uh, when you speak during the show. All right. Hello, Zoom people. Were you quiet while I was talking, or were you guys talking over me? Uh, we're hello, quiet. Quiet. hello, 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 hello. 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 <laughs> hello. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's get started with what. Uh, first off, do, does anybody here know who Sandy Monroe is? 
All right. I, I've been. I found them uh, because I was. Uh, I found out some stuff about uh, Tesla. I mean, he he's been uh, looking at Teslas and uh, breaking them down and talking to people about them. That's how I found him. I'm a Tesla stock owner, and uh, I have an interest in Tesla from that standpoint. Uh, not so much uh, driving them or buying one, but uh, they're uh, it's it's very interesting technology, and it is. I think it is the the premier EV that's available out there. Uh, because keep in mind, I am a stockholder. So uh, this is uh, this is what uh, Sandy said in a recent uh, YouTube video. Coming in second is Stellantis. Now we don't see much going on here in North America, but then I've kind of predicted that Stellantis is probably going to abandon ship on North America. Their headquarters is for sale right now. They they want to get they want to get out of that. Um, I don't see. I haven't heard anything about a new 300 or what are they going to do with the the ram and the charger or sorry not the ram but the the challenger and the charger i haven't seen a a, a ram truck that's going to compete with a lightning or and i can't even hardly imagine it competing with the uh, with the cyber truck uh, so what's happening so we were talking about pred- predictions i believe that stellantis is probably going to move jeep and uh, and ram somewhere else probably china and i believe that they'll just kind of like diminish their involvement here in north america so that's pretty scary stuff and then that's one of the reasons why i read to you who sandy monroe is because uh, uh anybody can make any kind of statement they want to and of course anybody can have a youtube channel and anybody can have a business so uh, i don't know that any of this is true but it's what uh, Stan- sandy believes because he said it uh and uh uh, I think it's worth discussing. So uh, we have a link to Sandy's uh, video in the show notes for episode 970. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com. All right. If Sandy is right and moves, uh, Jeep moves to China, would you still buy a China Jeep? So this is John, Central Texas. The first thing that jumps out of me is Jeep was already in China, and even the Jeep Talk Show had an episode last year where they sold all of their infrastructure and got out of it with a huge ordeal with the Chinese government and everything else. So I'm not really sure how you go through all of that pain and all of that anguish to to sever all business ties in the country and then think that they're going to just move it all right back in. From all the stuff that I've been reading, it looks more likely that they're investing in the ev market in china because that's really kind of taken off in the the chinese area because they bought it they bought a chinese company called loophold or loop something leaping yeah i read about that and that's that, that is certainly true they are getting into the ev market uh, in china but this is specifically talking uh, sandy's specifically talking about them moving uh prop the headquarters uh, at least that's what i was uh, reading into it and uh, where jeep is built to china I think that the the problem you're going to run into with a lot of that, though, is you've got some really strong unions that have very high lobby dollars into a lot of politicians. I was just going to say, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, the UAW is not in China yet. (laughs) No, but they definitely can uh, line the the, the pockets of the lawmakers who decide tariffs that get slapped on the vehicles coming in and out. I mean, moving something like Jeep. Now, we do have trade agreements in Canada and Mexico. Hell, I think ton of jeep products besides the wrangler probably made down there at least i know i think from the ram is um so i could see them moving some heavy manufacturing to to mexico but i don't know it, it, to me it seems extremely far-fetched and and kind of just crazy to say that they're gonna pick up and move all the jeep manufacturing into china i think that's 
That sounds almost like clickbait commentary. <laughs> so, so for the question, if if uh, the Jeep was fully made in China, uh, would you still buy a Jeep? I already bought mine, so I'm good. <laughs> no. So this is Larry from St. Louis. But if you, it wouldn't surprise if Stellantis moved to Europe overseas, because if you look at most of their lineup, very little that's here anyway. So from a headquarters standpoint, that wouldn't be shocking at all. And I think that, you know, John's point that they've already been there and was, and pulled out of China. So the odds of building the Jeeps that we know, I doubt they'll go there, maybe the EV or something like that. But yeah, I, I, I doubt, I doubt you would get much sales in the States if you're trying to sell a Wrangler as we know it here made in China. Well, I think we all know that uh, China continued making the Jeep Cherokee uh, after it was uh, uh, mothballed here in the States. And right. they made a few changes to it that I, I don't know that I would have. That's the direction I would have gone. Uh, but it's not like they can't make a Jeep. Uh, it's just um, it just it, it seems un-American uh, to me to have a Jeep built someplace else and by non-American uh, uh, workers. And when I say non-American, there's all kinds of people that, uh, that are building the Jeep. They're not necessarily uh, Americans, but uh, you know, the, I think the majority of them are. So I, I don't know. It, that, and that's kind of what I'm asking here. Does it make a difference? On the, on the, uh, just on the surface, I'm thinking, no, I don't, I don't want to buy a Chinese Jeep. That's just not, it just doesn't feel right. Rick, Rick from Arkansas, Arkansas Aquaman. Um, I think it would, uh, I mean, even owning a Jeep, and even though I own one of the luxury models. Um, <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> I mean. You know, the maritime model. It, yeah. Would it, I mean, would it, uh, would it taint my idea of what Jeep is? Maybe on some level it would, but as far as, you know, I'm, I'm like, John, I've already got my Jeep and I'm going to you know, keep my Jeep and work my Jeep and ride my Jeep and drive my Jeep. But as far as buying a Jeep that was made in China, you know, I, I don't know. I'll probably not. You know, I would be surely, I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, we live in upside down bizarro world lately anyway. So nothing, nothing too far fits going to surprise me anyway. This is Roger from Wisconsin. I think November is going to play into that. If there's even a chance, I think November will play into whether or not that cause something like that would happen. Yeah, I think you're referring to uh, what uh, President. I Trump, didn't want to get too. I, I didn't want to get too political on it, so I just thought I would say November. Yeah, I think what you're referring to is when President Trump uh, t- basically told Ford, "It uh, it's a really nice company you have there. It'd be uh, a shame to put 35 percent tariffs if you uh, build them out of the out of the United States." So. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that probably is a good possibility uh, and, and, and the, the political environment. I personally, I mean, I, I like it to a degree, but also, too, I think businesses should be uh, able to do what they need to do to uh, to stay alive. And and I, I, know I'm, I know I'm picking on the UAW workers here, but uh, I'm going to say it again. You can't help but wonder if pop, uh, part of this has to do with uh, the UAW uh, uh, settlement uh, that uh, that they reached. Well, nobody wants to see this stuff move to China, but I mean, a business is a business for a reason. Businesses aren't in business to give away stuff. So uh, They're in I, business to make money. I agree with Red Green there. And I think that the uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that um, 
China. Like green stuff? Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you said I just like red green right now. I can't be the only one. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the other thing to keep in mind is in China, you know, the government there kind of has the keys to the patent office. So if you're moving kind of headquarters and stuff around there, it's a lot harder to keep control of your intellectual property for companies headquartered there and everything else. So, I mean, there's a reason why Pujo didn't move their headquarters there when long time ago as well, right? So remember, Stellantis is Pujo, Biot, Chrysler, all of them. So I, I think that there's probably some some expansion with local like EV companies and stuff in China, but I don't, I'd have a tough time seeing them move anything there. Yeah. This I, I could see maybe if they expand the, uh, their electric market, I could see that maybe moving there. Cause it's obvious that they like their electric cars over there a lot more than we like them here. Yeah. This Sorry, is Clint, Clint. Go ahead. That's okay. This is Clinton Houston. Yeah. And, and I agree with John as well. Um, plus also too, uh, the Chinese, the, uh, the Chinese government also pretty much has an agreement with any company that sets up there that they're automatically a fifty percent owner. So unless Stellantis wants to give away fifty percent of its ownership to foreign country, um, it's, it wouldn't really benefit them at all. Now, if they put a finger hold in there and just go ahead and set up another EV market, just to take advantage of maybe the pass through of the cheaper lithium, the cheaper batteries, and just you know, disperse them to an American market, then I could see that. Right. I mean, that electric car company they just bought in China mm-hmm. could set them up nicely to export out a lot of the raw materials and other things that are easier to get in China for the rest of their fleet, right? They could strike up some sort of deal for export benefits by investing a certain amount into the local, you know, Chinese EV market. And if they set up an American, if they're an American-based an American-owned company with a, a base in China, they would probably skirt around some of the tariffs that they would have to get it, that they would have to pay. Well, and if they were selling in, uh, Jeeps in China, that would definitely help get them around the tariffs. And, of course, the Chinese market is a big market. But, but I mean, a Jeep in China is not, it's not necessarily their cup of tea. It's like... Like when you have the Japanese cars with the Toyota and Acura, you know, the higher end Lex- the Lexus. There's no Lexus in Japan. It doesn't exist outside the United States. Well, they just have Toyota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got you to remember that, that Chinese tax, too, which is 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if, rather than China, if you're looking at a place for Jeep, well, I think India makes more sense just by there. There's actually a really growing jeep culture there i mean how many of y'all if you go and follow like jeep tags on instagram you're gonna see there's a ton of them coming out of india um so that market right there i think would be probably better prime for the jeep brand be with mahindra yeah mahindra well that would be kind of funny huh returns have tabled aren't the rock source made in the states though are they i have no idea I don't know. I'll tell you what. I mean, it's like <clears throat> if you guys ever were on Pirate years ago in the India part, um, man, there was a guy that would, uh, he's working on a dirt floor and sandals pounding out Jeep bodies with nothing but a torch and a hammer and a bag. And that was it. And he would make you a complete 100% accurate 1974 CJ5 body. But the Chinese market, no, I don't see it. I really don't see it. They're not 
they're not the kind of vehicles unless unless they're going after the luxury luxury market which dovetails in with the luxury brand then maybe but there's a lot more competitors that are cheaper so i'm glad i'm glad you brought up the uh the, the idea of pounding out <laughs> uh, your own jeep because i'm i'm kind of wondering if that might be the direction we're ultimately going to have to be going uh is that uh we're not going to get the vehicle that we want and if we want a jeep we may have to build it ourselves you guys remember the uh, the old days not you john but you remember the old days when you you could buy a three thousand uh, dollar pc uh or you could uh, you could build one for you know nine hundred dollars uh I, i'd like to see a, a, a similar situation where you could build your own vehicle for you know a, a, a fraction of the cost you can do that on amazon you can do that on amazon today right just buy all the parts from china i mean hell half the jeeps in the malls are probably built in china already right so <laughs> where all the, the parts coming in how many parts do you have to buy and made in china and put on your jeep before you have to say it's made in china <laughs> Exactly. Well, I mean, we buy so many things, like you're saying, replacement parts or even electronics and stuff that we're putting in and on our Jeeps, LEDs, LED uh, headlights uh, uh, that uh, are probably made in China already. So uh, I I think that's kind of the realization that you have to have is that even if the the Jeep starts being built in China, is it really that much difference? And of course, that's going to be the big thing is, is the quality there. Are you getting the same uh, type of uh, vehicle? Uh, that you would have got if it was built here. Just, just trying to imagine Jeep enthusiasts in China loading their family up, taking the top off, and going out in the Chinese wilderness somewhere and going wheeling. I just, I don't know. Just doesn't seem like that. You know, I don't know a lot about their culture, but that that just doesn't strike me as being their culture. It didn't sound like something the Chinese government would like. That independent uh, thought type stuff that. Uh, Jeep people generally have. Well, if you compare China to Europe, I know in Europe, a a Jeep is a huge vehicle, especially in the little towns. And Mm. from what I've seen, China doesn't have more room. They have less room in the cities and everything else. So it'd be like trying to drive a Sherman tank down the middle of the the neighborhood. Ooh, a mini Jeep. They kind of like one of those $300 electric Jeeps that uh, you get for your kids. (laughs) <laughs> but, but it looks like China has a large rural area, though, right? I mean, yes, and most of their population is like in Hong Kong, Beijing, Shanghai, and everything. But they have a huge rural. I mean, the size of China, it's massive. So it probably wouldn't work in the city, but I would, I mean, the Wrangler's kind of tough to work in New York as well, right? I mean, I've driven around there in uh, a Honda Accord before, but um, I, w- I would think that there's probably a market for it in the rural areas because they have existing you know, four by four SUVs today in China. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Chinese would love Jeeps there. I don't think I don't think they would work for the majority of the population because of what Larry said. <laughs> well, like, but, but we don't buy the vehicles based on our needs. We we buy vehicles based on our wants. I mean, this is the reason why you see uh, everybody wants an SUV. They want a, a large gas guzzling vehicle, and they don't mind having to pay a little extra to have it because that's what they want. Most that's are industrialized. <laughs> most of industrialized population work in the cities because they have their when they have their their Chinese New Year everybody leaves the cities and goes back to the, goes back to the farmlands for for several weeks and then they all come back for uh, you know to go back to work because most of them work in the cities not in the farmlands 
Hmm. All right. So just a reminder, the question is, if Jeep moves to China, the construction of our Jeeps and and Ram uh, Ram trucks as well. I know there's some Ram truck uh, lovers out there. Uh, would you still buy uh, your Jeep or your Dodge Ram from uh, from China? I, mean, I think, I I think everybody has said no so far, uh, right? Has anybody said yes? No. I'm, I'm sorry, Clint, what were you saying? I said if I wanted my check engine light already on when I bought the vehicle. And what language um, would it be in? Exactly. <laughs> now, I mean, I, I don't think so because especially with its heritage and Jeeps in America, it goes hand in hand. And if it was farmed out, I honestly think that uh, <clears throat> the American market would almost fall to non-existent just because of the heritage that goes along with that. So there's an argument that the, the, the market, I mean, and if you guys have seen it, I don't know if it's, if it's the market, if it's EVs, uh, or what's causing the issue. But right now, there's a lot of really great sales. I mean, uh, Larry's been worrying over a Gladiator for several weeks now because the prices are so good, because sales are so far down. And, and I don't know why sales are down. If it's Like I said, if it's the economy, if it's the EV competition, or... Uh, or what exactly that's going on? Anybody have any uh, ideas about that? Oversaturation interest market. Interest rates. Yeah, interest, interest rates, rates, certainly. Interest rates are killing you. I mean, you can have a really, really good credit score, and you're looking at like a 6.5-7%. Or like exactly. An I mean, <laughs> I mean that, that'll, that'll put the – when your payment opportunity, if, you, if you're limited to five or $600 a month budget or whatever, you know, the price of the vehicle that you can buy just went way down when you're – tacking on that much interest that and insurance premiums are going up all over the place a lot of areas and so you factor in the, the overall higher cost of owning one and it, it definitely hits the hits the brakes i i also look at it as and no offense uh larry i don't think the gladiator is a really good pickup truck <laughs> um, <laughs> no they're not and you've got oversaturation in the market yeah. with all of them and, and that's the whole issue. That, that, that's that's where I struggle. They don't make a really great truck, and they're really not a Wrangler. They're kind of something in between, right? You don't have the storage behind the seat, and, and, and it's I, I 100% agree. It, it's kind of in that gray zone. Yeah, Colorado Bison or whatever Buffalo it is, the Tacoma TRD Pro. I mean, you start going into the market that they're competing in. I granted, they're not solid front axle rigs, so you can say maybe they're not direct competitors, but or a small truck. I mean, the, the novelty of the world. When they first came out, they were like, "Oh wow, it's a it's a Jeep truck. That's amazing." And I think that we saw in SEMA with the explosion of stuff for them and aftermarkets, and it went crazy. So yeah, to make that its best wheeler, you got to put the Bob bed on, and then it totally is not a truck. <laughs> yeah, and for right? motor build, I think it's like three grand for that bed. Yeah, but that's a wheeling machine there, though. I mean, because you got you got. A, no longer wheelbase with the departure angle what it should be so if but i then, if i understand what a truck is does anybody buy a uh, mid-sized truck or a truck a work truck uh a move your friends truck uh i mean i i don't see the gladiator as being uh, being a gladiator owner i didn't buy it because it was a truck i mean partially but i bought it because it was a jeep and it will you can go off-road um, and uh, I just thought it was uh, it has good towing cap- uh, capability for a midsize truck. So uh, I, you know, I, I think it depends on what you want. And I, right. I, I, if I was going to get a truck, it'd have to be a full size truck. 
And I don't know what I'd get. I mean, normally I would uh, say a, like a Ford F-150 with a club or crew cab, depending on what they have. I haven't looked at it in forever. Uh, but for the prices they were doing for Fords, I was uh, back when I was looking for a tow vehicle, I was looking at Dodge Ram because the price uh, was a lot better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's, it's not a truck. And I don't know that it was ever designed to be a truck. I had one when I needed to go get that axle up there at, uh, yeah. you know, that 12-hour drive up there. I, I for sure would have taken one. It would <laughs> work perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that they can't do truck-like things. I don't think that's argue, But, I mean, if you're at the price point, at least that they were, and maybe it's a different conversation now, but if you're at that price point where they were, like you said, that's a half-ton price point at that yeah. level and if i mean it's not gonna do jeep things but for the that same amount of money you could probably go get yourself a hell of an old tj or yj to start having fun and tow to the trails kind of thing and being be in pretty good shape so and as far as mid-sized truck owners use them i mean you see how many board rangers and tacomas run around here with that bed completely loaded like i they, i definitely see them see them used a lot like i wouldn't say that the mid-sized truck aren't, aren't used no, no, of course, of course not. Some people will use it, but but who are these people? Are they business people, or are they people that need to take uh, they need a truck for their their day to day work, or are they just people that are um, you know moving apartments as they get kicked out? Uh, now, if you want a, an overlanding rig, that's a great overlanding rig. It really you can is. put your rooftop tent on it, and you got all your storage in the bed, and, and it's a jeep. Yeah, and it's a Jeep, right? So, but if you if you're wheeling it on the on the hard trails, that's different. But if you're using it as an overland rig, that's a great vehicle for that. You're probably adding a lot of parts made in China back to the original <laughs> China, China. <laughs> yeah, no, I I actually like the Gladiators, Tony. I, I didn't mean to. Too cross. late. No, nope, too late. You no, no, you've no. already sowed your uh, sowed your seed no, there. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I don't see the point of it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. The next thing you're going to say, Clint, is you don't like red Jeep. <laughs> My Jeep is black. My other two oh. Jeeps are green. What you're saying is he likes other people's gladiators. He thinks they're cool to look at and stuff like that. But yeah, as long as it's not his. <laughs> as long as it's not his. <laughs> I like Dave's. I like Dave's gladiator. So there's that. No, I'm, uh, I'm Tony, Tony knows who he is. Ooh, red Jeeps are sexy. <laughs> Knew that was coming. <laughs> I need to put the, the the black jeeps are depressing back on here. <laughs> hey, remember though the the hood on my jeep was red. It came off of a red YJ because I destroyed the black one. <laughs> well, when you need a, a way of getting out to get a little traction, the hood has to be sacrificed sometimes. Uh, yeah, it flew up on the last owner. Those YJs and hood springs, not a good thing. All right. Well, uh, actually, Clint mentioned this about uh, Jeep being a luxury uh, vehicle, which is also scary. <laughs> so, uh, as I said in the opening, there are signs that Jeep is moving uh, from off-road to luxury vehicles, and I don't. And, and I think it, it is completely away from their off-roading thing. And uh, I'm wondering if, and uh, asking you, is Jeep forgetting who they are or just trying to survive? Do you guys think that this is another BS story that people are just uh, floating out there for? Reviews or clicks? Yeah, probably. Yeah, everything's getting everything's getting more feature rich because I think Clint said a little bit earlier about market saturation. Like off road rigs are out there, so you're trying to 
trying to more people getting into the sport there's not a lot of chucks out there right like give me a big metal jeep with no airbag and no seat belts and no roll bar you know the people that are getting into now they they expect a little bit more they expect bluetooth they expect to be able to you know play music oh and they got to be able to sit their phone on a little pad so it charges the phone while you're driving (laughs) you don't do that i do that all the time no not in the gladiator i I had to build something for that i've got one of those luxury jeep vehicles that are oh yeah uh, you do and i love it so i'm I, i don't care where they are in that realm if they make that kind of stuff it's I, I like compared in the build quality on it compared to the Tahoe, at least that I had before that night and day. Like it's, it's I think, so I think Jeeps are, are built very well. I'm very impressed with the gladiator. I don't have a lot of miles on it, uh, but it, it seems to be doing very well. Uh, Larry would argue with, uh, argue that with me. Did, did you get your Jeep back, Larry? No, I, I got to take it in tomorrow. We had ice here. So I didn't want to take it up there and just leave it sit. So I'm taking it in tomorrow to have the, all the seals put in it. Hopefully, for the fourth go, fourth <laughs> or fifth, to get the oil uh, leak stopped. You need one of those uh, YouTube certified mechanic badges and just do it your damn self and just give them the bill. Yeah. thing is, it's, it's being done under warranty. So That's what I'm saying. You, you have the this, this, this certificate, little patch, you should be able to do it. Yeah. That's why I no, submit the bill I, I to them, I, and then they pay you for the warranty work. It, it all I works out. Know, I don't think it works like that, but... <laughs> but but <okay>. it could. <laughs> well, okay. it would have been done a lot quicker, don't you think? And accurately the first time. Hey, Tony, I, I, they, I would sure hope so. You know, talking about the, you know, the luxury side of Jeep, I bought a newer 04 Grand Cherokee back, I think it was about 06. And, uh, and even I can remember even back then thinking, I mean, cause it had full leather package. It had the pedals would move back and forth. Like, so like my wife, when she drove it, she could move the pedals towards her. The steering wheel had lots of controls all over it, even on the back of the steering wheel. I mean, it, they had a lot of luxury items in, in a Jeep, even, even seem seemingly ahead of some of the other luxury vehicles that, uh, they were out at the time. So they, I mean, they've been doing luxury type stuff. You know, I know it's progressed a lot since then, but even back then, it was pretty, you know, pretty up there. Oh yeah, no, definitely. But uh, but I can see, <clears throat> I can see that. Uh, well, and, and I think that this is correct. You guys, correct me if uh, if I'm thinking about this wrong. When you have a luxury vehicle, you have fewer people buying them, but you're getting a higher profit because they're luxury vehicles. Does that sound I- right to you guys? Not really, because the tech tech that goes into that is pretty expensive. I mean, have you guys checked into a dealership lately and gone and sat in a Grand Wagoneer? I I sat in the one in my driveway. A Grand Wagoneer? (laughs) Yeah, I've got a Grand Wagoneer. The $120,000 Grand Wagoneer. Yeah, he's John fucking Lee. (laughs) 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 It was the only Wagoneer I could buy. It was the only Wagoneer I could buy that had the 392 in it. So, you know, that's yeah. one of the good. So, yeah, it's, it, they're nice. But I think the, the full-size SUV segment is extremely profitable for them overall. And if you don't have that white elephant, if you don't have that, that standard bear top-of-the-line one, like an Escalade or a Navigator or something like that, then you're not really looked at as 
playing in there. So I think that you have those brands because they sell a lot of regular Wagoneers because you're like, oh, that brand's awesome. Then you see that price tag and you're like, yeah, I can go with the regular Wagoneer instead and not have to, you know, pay that premium, but look, look at what it can be, right? So, yeah. And, no, and not, mean, to brag, not to brag or anything, but, oh, you know, John's you already done the, that. Have <laughs> you seen the luxury vehicle behind me there in my picture there? <laughs> does it have air conditioning yes that is that's well, awesome it could be argued that bill's 392 uh vehicle is certainly in the luxury price tag range sure that's more performance price tag range i think yeah but prices just went through the roof in the last couple of years they're just yeah. starting to come back down price price point doesn't mean luxury anymore to i mean point. you look at some of the newer like fully loaded you know JLU Rubicons, and they're getting close to that price I paid for that at three ninety two two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could look at a stripped down diesel truck, right? And you're pushing seventy thousand dollars with that. It's definitely not luxury. So I mean, three ninety two in a in a Wrangler. I think I think there's a performance tax, as you can call it, is driving the price rather than luxury. Because Bill, yours. It, Still has like all other ones breach my work. It's manual seats and everything, right? In the 392. Yeah. 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 So it's not like they, you know, put the heat seat massagers that my wife's car has in the in the 392 or anything. Um, it's it's performance based price point, I think. So yeah, and I agree. So let me ask you this: um, Would you prefer to, if you were going to buy a luxury vehicle? What do you think of when you think, oh, I'm going to buy a luxury vehicle. I got X amount of dollars I, I can throw away. What what luxury vehicle would you buy? What is your ultimate luxury vehicle? G-Wagon. I've seen those on the trail. They're actually pretty good Like <laughs> from that. But um, no, I don't know. Reveza? Just no, I'm joking. I mean, that's the thing. Is like If you look at a G-Wagon, it's still it's military heritage underneath of it. And it's build quality and it's and it's performance. And I'm not talking like a Bray bus or anything like that. I mean just a regular G Wagon. Yeah, that would be it. I think I would go Rolls Royce Phantom or, you know, Ghost or something like that. I mean you said luxury car, mon you know, if you've got the money or whatever. Any I mean, any vehicle. I mean it doesn't have to be off road, just something that you have, it's got a suicide doors with a pop out umbrella too. Like that's Oh that's pop out umbrella, that sounds nice. Yeah. I think, you know, all of us are thinking, you know, a Lambo or, you know, something like that. But um, try to get in and out of one of those. It's not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's why I went with the, that's why I went with the roll. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem is, isn't as much getting in it. It's getting out of it, yeah. <laughs> rolling out onto the road to the pavement. But I think, I think the word luxury really depends on where you're coming from with that too. Right, because if you're used to driving, I'm going to say older CJs, and you jump into a newer JL with leather and heated seats and everything, that's oh, yeah. pretty luxurious. Hey, I didn't yeah. get leather and heated seats in the Gladiator, and going from a 1998 uh, Cherokee Jeep Cherokee to a Gladiator was certainly a luxury jump. Sure. <laughs> hey, there's a reason I make Dutch drive his Gladiator when we go out to eat or do something or take a trip. Oh, it's nice. instead of my TJ. Yes. Well, you can fit I people call my in chauffeur. It too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I call my chauffeur and make him come pick me up. Don't take me to breakfast. Yeah, but <clears throat> it's it's. Uh, I, I think the luxury items. I mean, I've always been a big proponent of just give me a base model, and you know, 
stripped down Rubicon. All the good parts, none of the extra stuff I don't need. <laughs> That's not Rubicon is not a basic model. <laughs> a I want, sport. I want or a sport S. <laughs> I want the yeah, but I want the axles, I want the transfer case. I don't need all the other stuff that it comes with. Yeah, that's so mine. When I ordered it in 2017, um, it's a basic Rubicon model, manual transmission, cloth seats. The only options that I got on it was the hard top and I swung for the uh, Alpine sound system in it. And yeah. other than that, it is standard base Rubicon trim, which in 17 included the LED lights, which was, was nice. But Yeah, that's nice. Um, and aren't you wishing you had uh, not got uh, lockers because you're changing all that shit anyway? But I didn't have to change it necessarily right away. No, right? just so until I, you broke it. <laughs> I was able to do a lot of shit in the last, you know, seven years that because I had that platform to start with. Yeah, I so. think that is a good argument. How long do you wait before you get what you want? And if you can get it quickly uh, and start using it for fun and things you want to do, that I think that makes a big difference. Uh, whatever they up your credit limit on your credit card is usually when you get that. <laughs> Tax return time usually is another good one. There's thinking it through, and then there's reality. I got you. <laughs> hey, John, why are you going to move that speaker? What speaker? Oh, the one that's in the floor? Yeah. The uh, one you hate. That is stupid. Uh, I can't believe they did that in 17. So, like, all the rest of them, they had the, the speakers off to the side, like, over the wheel well. But in 17, they're like, I know, let's make everything in the back rattle by putting it in the floor. So the subwoofer is literally in the middle of the floor in the back. Oh, and I know you love rattling stuff. Yeah, you're swapping out axles. You're building it bigger and heavier, and you're just going to leave that speaker rattle all your tools around. Well, like Tony says, you don't need a big speaker for podcasts, right? No, not at all. You can take that thing out. But besides, if you haven't heard the kind of music that I crank up, I wouldn't tell if it was rattling or not. That's true. <laughs> All right. So, uh, is uh, if Jeep is going to selling luxury vehicles only, and that p- might mean no more Gladiators or Wranglers, just uh, uh, G wagons, just uh, Grand Wagoneers and Wagoneers and uh, uh, Grand Cherokees, is, is that a, a Jeep brand that you would uh, that you would like? I'm thinking most people say no because everybody here is interesting interested in off road. Well, I mean, uh, you for for example, John, you're not only interested in off road because you have both luxury uh, a luxury Jeep vehicle uh, and an off road Jeep vehicle. Yeah, I think I think there's there's compromises you can find, but look at uh, look at Land Rover, right? They went all in on the luxury, you know, yep. football player market with the Range Rovers and stuff like that. And now they're coming back with the, the new Defender, and they're they're trying to they're trying to market it as that rugged off roader again, kind of like they have with the D ninety, kind of going back. I kind of feel like they're going the other direction, but they've already got the luxury. We need to figure out how to bring the off road back in. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think they screwed themselves by doing that? I mean, they lost some market share, I'm sure. Well, I think they screwed themselves by making a shitty product. I mean, when something is is really breaking down all the time and everything else, it's it's got that reputation of just absolute horrible reliability so i think that that probably hurts them because when you think rugged off-road and everything else you're not thinking you know brand new vehicles taken back up to the dealership because blah 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 so um i think that they're they're trying to go back because they don't really have i mean that defender is probably the closest thing they have to like a real off-road vehicle right um and i don't think i don't know i would even put it up next to a forerunner i think the forerunner would probably be able to outdo it how nice was that Defender we seen that day out at uh, Hidden Falls, that Defender pickup truck? That was pretty nice. 
Yeah, it was like a what, like a D ninety, but it was a truck or something. Like that. Right. Those were cool. I've seen a few of them uh, pop up on marketplace um, that are uh, right hand drive or whatever, and man, they're proud of them. They're all like ninety, ninety five thousand. Yeah, it's crazy. So I think I've uh, I think I've talked about this before on the show. Uh, the, the we're going to talk about EVs again because they're being pushed really really hard in the the marketplace. Of course, uh, there's uh, some uh, some things going on now where uh, major companies are backing out of the EV market or are cutting back on the EV market. Um, so uh, I have heard and I, I and I also too I've lived through it. Uh, well, let me back up a second. Do you guys remember when calculators? first came out the the hand calculators not anything with paper or the paper rolls or any of that stuff the the, yeah the the little bitty the, handheld red LEDs. handheld the calculators texas, yeah texas, texas instruments, instruments. yeah red with the red letters yep like and this is this is going to be 75 i think and they were like three and four hundred dollars which was a fortune for something back then oh yeah and then what happened to calculators as time progressed? I mean, it was because everybody wanted one, but also to the miniaturization of circuits, the simplification of uh, of all the hardware, and they got cheaper and cheaper. And good lord, what you can probably buy one for three bucks now. Uh, not a not a TI fifty five or anything that's a complicated one, but your basic calculator, which would have been. Uh, worth uh, a, a couple of hundred bucks, I think, back in 1975. So with, uh, and, and I, I mentioned this because Tesla is kind of doing this in the car market. When we think of cars and vehicles, we don't think of uh, like uh, electric, um, we don't think of cars as being like uh, a, um electronic device. Uh, we saw the same thing with cell phones. When phones first came out, cell phones first came out, and then smartphones came out, and all these things changed over time. They got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to where we are now. And and really, it's just not the way things normally go for products. They don't normally get significantly cheaper. I think with what Tesla is doing with their vehicle, they're going to make the the, the their EVs cheaper and cheaper over time, especially if they improve the battery technology, which is the majority of the price of the vehicle. I, I believe that's a true statement. So what is going to happen to Jeep, Ford, and GM that are not in the EV market? Uh, and the how do you compete with an electric vehicle that has uh, a lot less maintenance, uh, is a lot less to, to purchase? Oh, and you can use it to make money because it has full self-driving, and you can let it go out and uh, take people around. I still don't like like the idea of having my personal vehicle being a part-time taxi just from the filth people are going to do to it. <laughs> but but I mean, it makes a difference between uh, something you got to pay for and it uh, and your it loses value. So now you have something that you can uh, have and make money off of it. I don't think that's a correct. I don't think. It's a linear thought. Yeah. No, uh, tell me where I'm wrong. Well, because the the material costs in order to get all those materials in order to make the batteries um, are getting more expensive because they are not a finite resource. Um, <clears throat> so I think that I think the pricing is going to be in lockstep with the economy um, that the more it's going to cost to 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 harvest to ship to you know to to mine to to gather all these natural these these resources in order to create the battery packs and stuff like that i mean the plastic is the plastic um however with the 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 war that's going on with oil and gas and the scarcity of it 
um, and the higher cost of petroleum in order to gain and get to create the pellets in order to make the plastics in order to the copper prices. I mean, copper's what $3 a pound, $4 a pound right now, spot price. So, I mean, it, the, the raw materials in order to make that up are just going to get more expensive. So I, I don't think they're going to ever, you're never going to see like a, a Tesla model S sitting on a lot for $20,000. It's not going to happen ever. They're, they're working on uh, 25 will be, will be their next price for their, uh, their EV. And and that's a and that's the thing. I mean, he he said that ten years ago that oh yeah, we're gonna you know the Model S is gonna be thirty thousand dollars, and it it never was. You could never get one. So I mean, it'd be really interesting to see because the the I've all I've heard is you know with test the build quality is horrible, um, the fit and finish is horrible. The you know if you're lucky enough to get a Tesla with an unlimited warranty, then sure you're fine. But when that battery pack goes out, it's Twenty thousand, fifteen thousand dollars to replace it. Yeah, battery packs. I think, packs way, I think the only way they get to that cheaper uh, model to put out is they've got to stop trying to build a car that's going to check all these boxes for all these edge case items that pull up. Well, I won't buy one because it won't get six hundred miles of range and recharge in ten minutes, right? Because I think the problem is, is when you're making that compromise, you're almost trying to boil the ocean in that point. If they if they focus on a vehicle that's like a urban city commuter car and that's like that's the one that's going to get down to that cheaper price point and make people go for it so yeah. if you live in a chicago well maybe not chicago with cold weather but if you live in like la or uh Bad timing, Bad yeah, timing. <laughs> la austin dallas atlanta if you live in like big metro areas especially in the south then you know a cheaper one that's got maybe 200 miles of range because you're just using it for daily work commuting or something like that and you could charge it home or whatever you know that that to me is where you get into that price point. I don't think you get into that price point trying to make a car that's going to check even 80% of what an, a combustion engine car that we think of today is going to check. So, you know, not something as small like a smart car. I'm still saying like a normal size car, but right. the feature set needs to be more geared towards a daily commuter in an urban area with a, you know, some 50 mile a day commute or something, right? Yeah, and I agree, and I think that's really where its place is, is more in the higher congested areas. And then also, you know, keep in mind, too, is it doesn't just sell the United States. I mean, these things are everywhere all over the world. So, I mean, you go to a more congested European market, you'll sell a ton of them. They sell more, they sell more Teslas overseas than they do in the States. Which is amazing when you see how many of them are driving around here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm seeing more of them uh, all the time. Um, so uh, I mean, I have no problem uh, with uh, you guys being corrected, uh, correcting me on any of this stuff. But uh, I will uh, I will say, mark my words, that within probably two years, uh, maybe sooner, uh, you're going to see uh, a much less expensive uh, EV from Tesla, and I think it's going to cripple the the big uh, auto, auto, automobile manufacturers um, because they're not going to be able to compete uh, with the internal combustion engine uh, vehicles and they are not uh, moving forward with EVs of their own. Uh, I mean, uh, we were talking about uh, Stellantis uh, investing in a, a Chinese EV company, so maybe they are trying to, to do something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to see Tesla uh, take over the autom- automotive world. Well, and it, and it kind of it goes in hand like i was talking to a buddy of mine at work and his daughter and my daughter are like two weeks in age so his daughter's about to turn 17 my just turned 17 and he's looking really hard for her he's like i want to buy her a new car because i want her to have all the new modern features and 
that all these new cars have. He goes, but the cheapest brand new internal combustion engine car that's available right now is like $33,000. The cheapest thing you can do. So, yeah, I mean, a Hyundai or a Kia for, like, yeah, it's like a Kia. So if, um, if Tesla can get a Kia market, Soul for twenty four thousand, twenty four, yeah, you can get a Corolla in the twenty thousands. I just was, we were just looking at the new Toyotas because I'm going to buy a new Camry, and my buddy was looking at a new Corolla. You can get a Corolla in the upper twenties, right. a decent one. But I mean, and I think I think it goes hand in hand. I mean, if he's able to make a twenty five thousand dollar EV, then you're going to break into that market. Oh, it's going to be huge. That's underserved. I mean, I will say though, look how look how they were on delivering the promises of the Cybertruck. I've seen them in person. That thing is a fucking just god awful. I haven't seen one yet. It looks. Like, I posted a video in Discord where I was driving beside one the other day, and that thing is just a hunk of junk. When it looks like, I mean, it's the panel gaps in the side are just outrageous. And there's a video of one out at Hidden Falls. Somebody took one out there, and you know, just trying to get up the Wildcat, and they were airing them down to 30 psi because like standard is like 50 psi and the tires are real specialty and just i don't know they they screwed up a pickup truck pretty bad with the cyber truck so i don't know, I don't know about delivering on a twenty five thousand dollar car so what so what you're saying is check your favorite youtuber next year when they start building like uh swapping gas motors in these cyber trucks i don't even know if you could the that, that stainless steel. I mean, I guess with the welder, Larry could probably build one for us. Come so, and swap cyber I, truck. I'm just <laughs> waiting for Whistling Diesel to destroy one. That's right. <laughs> Rick, Rick from Arkansas. When, when, uh, when they have an EV that will compete with the practicality, because I've got two vehicles. You know, I've got the the one that I use to commute to work, sixty two miles one way to work. When they come out with an ev that will compete with the practicality of my honda accord as far as expense wise and all yada 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 then then i would be in the market for one but i'm still going to have my my jeep which is my off-road vehicle to to do everything i want to do that's that's jeep wise you know i don't i don't you know for me it wouldn't be a competition because i've got you know, I'm I'm looking at two different worlds. Didn't the VW Rabbit come out with something back in the '80s that did 42 miles of the gallon? Well, the Honda CRX, that little hatchback two-door thing or whatever, that little five-speed, that sucker would get 40 to 50 miles a gallon. Like, and would do a mean-ass donut too on a on a back. Well, my, rabbit, my, rabbit my diesel, diesel, would, diesel gets yeah. 42. Yeah, if they did something years ago what why haven't we progressed with the gasoline or diesel like technology to get 50 we have but we have but the problem is is as we've tried to get better the fuel efficiency on it because of all the air cleaner like epa based stuff that they're having to overcome to get that you kind of you're fighting you're fighting against an object movement so with those cars we had back in the day they didn't have to pass a smog test, right? Well, they didn't have to pass any of that stuff. Right. The minor. And also, John, all those luxuries add weight. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're pushing a much lighter vehicle down the road back then. You could get away with a 1.8 liter, you know, diesel engine back then. You, you say that, but at the same time, like my Jetta wagon's a diesel. It's got leather, heated seats, you know, nice stereo, all that stuff. Like, sunroof, it was hard loaded. Yeah, but that's only way 
3,600 pounds? Yeah, but, but Volt, I would weigh that because, you know, Volkswagen, you know, they're they're famous for telling the truth on all of their measurements. Um, Dieselgate. Dieselgate. Well, <laughs> as long as they're not being under a test or something with uh, something connected to the OBD2, yeah. Uh, I, I looked up the uh, the Model Y, the Tesla Model Y. It is uh, $32,890 for their, their basic model. And nobody gets the base. No, nah, probably not. I mean, but that's 260-mile range, 135-mile uh, per hour, 6.6, 0 to 60. So it, it's comparable to a, a, a nice vehicle back in the 70s as far as the 0 to 60. Uh, I think okay. I think my 327 got me uh, there in 6.7. Of course, I was running the uh, the stopwatch on my wrist while I was uh, also performing the the stunt uh, off road close course. <clears throat> but uh, but right now, I mean, thirty two thousand dollars. So that is not a. Uh, I mean, that's less than ten thousand dollars away from the twenty five thousand. Well, then you add if if you add the government incentive on top of that, whenever they do that, yeah, then it. Adds- even cheaper. Oh yeah, I mean you get seventy five hundred off, but uh, I, and I think Matt did did confirm this that seventy five hundred off isn't like a seventy five hundred dollar check from the the tax man. It's if you have uh, sufficient tax requirements that exceed seventy five hundred dollars, you'll get that uh, up to the seventy five hundred uh, taken off your taxes, what you owe them. So it's interesting that you add. So a couple months ago, I, w- I had the pleasure of working on a, a fifty seven Bel Air. Right, and everybody always looks at the 1957. You know, the cars—they're big, they're heavy. There we go. I think, I think we, <laughs> I think we, 3,200 pounds, guys. I know my Jeep's—it's like 6,000 pounds. Exactly. <laughs> you think of the old iron, the old steel, big heavy boat going down the road, and not that heavy. <laughs> I have a 3,500-pound winch on my trailer, and it pulled that thing up completely dead with two flat tires. It don't weigh that much. Well, let's not forget that the Charge America was started. It was born out of a penalty for, from uh, Dieselgate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, that was a buddy of mine had a, had a uh, Gulf diesel, and uh, about every 20,000 miles, you have to clean the EGR out of it. Well, I would, don't get me wrong. I, would, I think that's a awesome commuter car those diesel generals and, and golfs were getting crazy mileage and and they were you know very efficient they still had plenty of power to, to commute with right they weren't hot rods but they were still great to, to well, commute well with. this is some of the, the dumbass stuff that we do over and over again back in the 70s when uh the the movies came out uh making everybody afraid of nuclear energy uh, ultimately, that's the biggest green energy thing that you can have is a nuclear reactor. And then uh, the, all, all this stuff with, uh, the, that's, that's going on. I mean, uh, there's, there's a number of things that people have just shot themselves in the foot. The diesel engines, they, they love them in Europe. I think we'd love them here. And if you can have a VW that gets you 50 miles uh, to the gallon on diesel, screw it if it costs more than, uh, than gasoline. It, it's worth it. Yeah, the problem with the diesel ones, though, is um, that they're very difficult to meet the EPA rules. Get rid of the EPA. What it, what good has it done in China? NRA, DHS. I mean, you know, you say that, John, but like my, mine's a 2012. <laughs> it doesn't have any of the stuff that you think of when you think diesel. There's no DEF. There's no DPF. That all comes in after a certain weight. Mm-hmm. Well, no, and I'm not, but it's still. They're they're not the the cleanest. My my point was in in what's marketing is making people think right. When people think of diesels, they think of dirty, you know, rolling that cl- rolling that coal, coal, yeah, 
They, they think they think of my dually and not my Volkswagen. I agree. But I, would, but I would also say that I don't know if it was the movies in the seventies that made people afraid of nuclear energy. I think it was the news reels in nineteen forty five that probably. I, I think that helped, but I think that uh, the China syndrome uh, with uh, with Jack Lemmon. Uh, I think that movie scared the hell out of people, and that's the reason why we don't have uh, as much nuclear energy now as what, uh, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it, the, a nuclear power plant or two would have been a lot better a few years ago when we had 36 hours of power outage than windmills and uh, good feelings that, uh, that everybody was putting up to generate energy. So when are we going to see the full electric uh, Jeep Wrangler come out? Uh, in the next year or two. I think it's inevitable. I think that I don't think it's going to be uh, an exclusive offering. Like they're going to get rid of all the the gas engine ones. I'm not saying ice. Um, they're not going to get rid of all ice, the baby. Gas engine um, jeeps, but kind of like the four by e. I think it'll be a it'll be a model. It'll be an option. Which, so I mean, oh, we should be happy, right? Look at all these options we've got with Jeep now. When you had the JK, your option was two door or four door outside mm-hmm. of trim levels, right? You didn't. Get any different engine choice. I guess you get a manual or an automatic. I think that was another option. I like like what uh, Jeep is doing with their EVs. I'm not going to buy one, but I like what they're doing. I don't know if you guys heard a recent episode, recent flagship episode. We were talking about the uh, the Wagoneer S uh, that's coming out uh, this year. It's a 2024 Wagoneer S that has a 400-mile range. It's 100% EV and uh, dual motor. So uh, it's all-wheel drive, dual motor. Uh, and I say 400 miles. They they don't say specifically. They say you know, like they didn't say maybe, but that's what I read into it. It was like maybe 400 mile range, which is which is really nice. I mean, that's starting to get to the area where uh, I like the range. Uh, I don't have range anxiety as much for that uh, that type of range. I want to know the weight on that to have a full size electric SUV that'll still get 400 miles. Did you see? Uh, I think was his name Gray Wolf Overland or whatever it was on Discord. He, once he said it, I can't unsee it. When you look at the picture, it looks like the redone Chevy Blazer. Like that horrible crossover looking, like it looks horrible. Not as bad as a Cybertruck. You I mean, talking about still, the Wagoneer S? Yeah, the Wagoneer S. Like the picture, if you look on Discord, when he said that, how it looks like the Chevy Blazer or whatever, like mm-hmm. I can't yeah, yeah. Well, and i don't know why they have to put leds in the grill i mean you know uh it just to me it just seems i mean it's just a marketing thing uh they would look at those blue leds in the grill uh, well, some people have led fetishes are bright lights it makes it fancy lgtbq lights you guys are always picking on chuck and his unnatural love of led lights just, just listen to the coach. Shut up. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. <laughs> As I always like to say, the show continues on even after the recording stops, and uh, sometimes it goes on for hours. Hey, coming up on our next Jeep Talk Show interview episode, that's every Friday, new pesh of Body Armor 4x4, bodyarmor4x4.com. Go check it out. Uh, we've got uh, Body Armor 4x4 uh, tube doors uh, for my wife's uh, 2003 TJ. They're very nice. Very nice. Very well made. 
And that brings us to the end of another exhilarating Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode. I want to thank and express my deepest gratitude to our incredible panel of Jeep enthusiasts for sharing their valuable insights, experiences, and expertise with us today. Your passion for Jeeps is truly inspiring, and we're grateful for your contributions. Check out our YouTube channel. We're publishing something new every day. I also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our listeners who joined us on this adventure. Your support is what keeps us motivated to bring you the best G content out there. And not only G content, but also Jeep content. (laughs) Until next time, keep those Jeeps running strong. Hit those trails with confidence. Remember, it's not just a vehicle. It's a way of life. This has been Tony hosting the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode, and we'll catch you on the next ride. Broadcasting since 2010.